even if we aren't actively quote unquote hiding something, I think we all have things in our life that we would rather keep hidden, that we would rather someone not find out about us. And this book is a giant invitation to say, no, actually, the more you try to withhold and hide those things, the the longer you're gonna live life without full freedom. Hi, and welcome to the Girl Who Can podcast. I am so, so happy you're here. It's time for you to remember that you are the girl who is valuable, inspiring, and deserves to live in the confidence that is uniquely yours. Because my friend, you are the girl who can, but we're also not a place that expects or promises perfection because striving and hustling for the perfect looking life, one, doesn't exist, and two, will rob you of who you were created to be. So stick around and let me remind you of how to be the girl who can with who you already are. In this podcast, we have conversations that inspire you to be productive, stay rooted in purpose, but also learn how to embrace the imperfection that is just part of the journey and remember that you're not alone in that. So hi, I'm Arissa, registered dietitian by trade, but most importantly, your friend, and I've made it my mission to live and share with you the importance of working hard, but also resting well. So I invite you to be the girl who shows up for herself as we get into today's episode. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here as always. If you are new around here, welcome. And whether you're on your walk or you're doing some laundry, whatever it might be, whatever day time it is for you, happy you clicked on this podcast, knowing that you can be the girl who can and to learn some things today. And if you are a returning friend, welcome back. We have a very, very special guest today on the podcast. I was so excited to have this conversation with Manda Carpenter. And I just connected with her via Instagram. Honestly, I think she came up on my page as somebody recommended to follow. And I'm really trying to be intentional about who I'm following on social media, who I'm allowing to kind of be influenced by or the content that I'm seeing. And she is somebody who really just puts out very meaningful, intentional content, sharing about her life, being honest, being vulnerable. And she actually came out with a new book. She launched her book, Soul Care to Save Your Life, yesterday. It came out yesterday, August 9th. Go pick it up. And we are actually giving away one of her books, Soul Care to Save Your Life. So listen to the end of the episode so you can get information on how to get a free copy of Soul Care to Save Your Life. I honestly just finished reading this book myself and I will say it is something I feel like everybody really needs to read. It asks you to get honest, dive deeper. She asks really discerning questions and there is so much love and grace just spread throughout the entire book. So go pick up yourself a copy. I will link the Amazon link to buy it on Amazon um, down in the show notes. But if you want a chance to win a copy of her new book, Soul Care to Save Your Life, listen to the end of the episode and you can get more information. But Manda is a writer, a speaker, an advocate, committed to helping women grow in their relationship with God, their selves, and really with the the people around them and their relationships. She is 
a big question asker. She's a cheerleader of the underdog. She's a neighbor. She's a friend. And her and her husband, Eric, are actually foster parents and they're a host of a longer table podcast as well. So a fellow podcast friend. They live with their son, Shia, in LA, in California. Shout out California. That's where I'm from. But this conversation, I cannot wait for you guys to listen to it. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Hi, Amanda, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you. Yes. And I'm so excited for you to be here and learn from you. And I feel like our listeners are girls who can learn a lot and benefit from you and your ability to just be vulnerable and honest. And I obviously want to get into all things about your new book, Soul Care to Save Your Life, which by the way, when people listen to this, it came out yesterday. So go grab yourself a copy. And I must say that this book also came at a a perfect time in my life. And so that's another reason why I'm excited to sit here and talk with you through it. But the first question that I ask every guest on the podcast is what is something that you do that makes you feel like the girl who can? Mm, That's a great question. You know, I feel like the girl who can when I mother in my, in my journey as a mom. And that's both with my biological son. And it's also with my foster children. I feel like in the little ways of just like how we juggle so much as moms and we care for ourselves while we care for these little people. But, um, yeah, that's the first thing that came up for me when you asked that question, that's my answer from the gut. I feel like the girl who can, when I'm, when I'm mothering, I love that. And that's like super empowering too. So that's, I love that. And people heard a little bit about you in the intro, but if you can give the listeners a background just from your perspective about who is Amanda Carpenter and everything you feel like others might need and what's helpful for people to know about you. Yeah. Yeah. To know, I love this question. Thanks for asking and just creating the space for it. But to know me is to know that I am, oh gosh, I'm a professional mistake maker. Uh, I am someone who gets it wrong a lot, but is open to learning. And it is through all of the learning that I was able to write this book. And I went to school to be a teacher. So I was a public school teacher for several years before quote unquote retiring. And the reason I retired was I thought I was just taking a year off. I didn't know what was in store for me. And uh, what ended up happening was I had always written on the side. That was kind of my side hobby, just the passion project, you know, it was just writing. But the more I did that, the more people resonated with my words and kind of followed along or subscribed. And it just, it organically evolved into what it is today. And it's my full-time job to write and speak and advocate. And so I hate uh, to know me is to know that I hate when people call me a content creator because Mm -hmm. I actually don't do that. I don't take on paid ads with Instagram. I don't actually just sit at home and make content for the sake of likes. Um, everything I do within writing and speaking is related to some sort of advocacy, either advocacy of women in their relationships with God or their relationship with their self or the relationship with others, or even the part of my life advocating within child welfare. And so yeah. To know me is to know, please don't call me a content creator. <laughs> I love that. And you can really tell that through the content that you do put out. Like there is a purpose behind it, whether you're telling a story or you're bringing some sort of 
something to light, spreading some sort of truth. So thank you for what you do. And even sharing that I'm a personal or I'm a professional mistake maker. Cause I think a lot of people heard that and like kind of took a, a sigh of relief. Cause it's like, okay, me too. <laughs> and so that kind of leads us kind of going right into the book. And on that note of, wow, like this book is so honest and it, but it's also so loving and I feel like throughout the pages, you ask us to just dig deeper into ourselves and taking inventory of our hearts. So can you speak first to just the title of the book? What is soul care and where did even this come from? Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. Soul care is taking care of your inner world. It's all the things that people cannot see your motives, your thoughts, your, the, the reason that you behave a certain way. Um, it's, it's taking care of all the things that people cannot see. And so that's, that's the best broad definition I can give of soul care and where it came from soul care to save your life came from a place where I went through some stuff. Like I said before, I'm a professional mistake maker. And I actually, I say that kind of lightly and jokingly, but I also kind of mean it. I have made mistakes big and small throughout my life. And this book, if I were to retitle it, one of the other ways that you could, you could title, it would be all the things I learned in my Mm twenties. So this book is about hitting some low moments in my life where I made mistakes and I made such a mess of my life that I woke up one day and I said, how did I get here? How is, I'm not this person. Yeah. I felt that. Mm-hmm. What have I done? And then the journey out of that, the journey to say, okay, I've messed up. And for a while that led me to think, well, maybe I shouldn't even be on this earth. Maybe my life isn't worth living. But then as I listened to God and that small voice, which I call the Holy spirit that kept nudging me to trust that on the other side of truth, on the other side of coming clean about all the mistakes that I made and all the things that I was ashamed of that there is actually a life worth living. And I'm so glad that I listened to that voice and not the voice that said I was better off dead because obviously here I am today, um, with this book, but even more, I wake up to a life every single day that I love with, um, my husband, with kids, with family, with friends, doing things that I love and care about. And I, it's really devastating to think that I reduced myself and my worth to my mistakes. Um, and I always say that none of us are the sum of our worst mistakes. And I hope that this book is like a giant hug for someone who's like, I have made a mess of my life and now I don't know where to go from here. This book is for you. It's for that person. It's for a lot of people, but that's the first person that comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. And I truly felt that too. And too, it can be so easy to, think our mistakes, our identity too. And if we're not aware of it, and that's something you even dig into just in chapter one of being self-aware and you shared the story of like, when you were camping with your kids and you got burned in the leg, I think from like making s'mores or something like that. (laughs) Yes. You said in that chapter, when we lack awareness and stumble around in the dark, we aren't only putting ourselves in danger, but we burn other people in the process. And then we have to deal with the aftermath of feeling ashamed and guilt. And I think 
we can be so we can live our lives just stuck in that shame and guilt. And that's because we want to suppress it. We don't want to deal with it. We want to hide it. And it leads us to becoming that unaware of how damaging it is to our soul and lacking awareness. And like you said, in the book, we hurt others. So can you share how self-awareness really helps our souls evolve and maybe how you've seen being self-aware, like there's fruit in your life? Yeah, absolutely. I I love that you named that because it's true that what we don't deal with not only is negatively impacting us, but it's also impacting whether we know it or not, it's not healthy and it's impacting people around us, our kids, Mm -hmm. our family, our friends, whoever. Um, And so it's important that we do this work. It's not selfish. It's actually really, it's actually the opposite. I think it's selfish to not do your work, to not deal Mm -hmm. with your junk, to not deal with your, uh, gossip issue or to not deal with your comparison struggles. I would, I would argue that it's actually selfish to not do it, but anyway, I kind of went on a tangent there. Um, I have seen the fruit of self-awareness in so many ways. So one quick, easy way, um, in my friendships, I used to struggle, I think with self-awareness until one day. And I tell this story in the book, but I was at a coffee date with a friend and I was like rambling and going on and on. And then they got up and went to the bathroom. And then when they came back, they were like, well, I gotta go. And, and something felt off. Like I knew something wasn't right. And we texted later. And again, I tell the story in greater detail in the book, but what they ended up saying was, Amanda, you never stopped talking long enough to listen. Oh, like talk about a painful moment, but you know what? It was painful. Not because it wasn't true. Like it was true and it was painful to hear. But it was so important because as soon as I became self-aware that, oh, I can easily dominate in conversation and make it a a monologue and not a dialogue with people. And that can really turn them away because then they're going to think I don't care about them. Okay. I can become self-aware and work on this. And as I've worked on it, my friendships improved. People started to feel more seen and heard and known and loved by me. So that's one area that I've experienced the fruit of self-awareness. I could give a thousand examples. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think what's funny too, is that, I mean, self-awareness, you even talk about this in the book a little bit of like self-awareness and the difference between self-care. And I think the world we live in right now, it's all like, okay, do what feels good or the self-care and the morning routines and the meditation. And we kind of glamorize it in a way, but also getting back to the root that like sometimes self-awareness it's one, they're different. And I'll have, I want to ask about that, but, um, self-awareness might not look pretty where it might be pruning of, of things from God that is part of the process before you see the fruit. I think we so often want to see like, okay, I'm self-aware and I'll do the work. And, but it there's kind of trials before that. Totally. Yeah. I love that you brought this up. I think one of the biggest differences between self-care and soul care, self-care tends to be a more surfacey thing, bubble baths, uh, take a nap, like whatever there, we could give examples. Whereas soul care is talking about, there's not always a tangible thing that you do, but it's a way of being, it's a question to consider. It's something to reflect on. And one of the biggest examples or greatest examples I can give on the difference maybe between self-care and soul care. So self-care says unfollow anyone on the internet who makes you feel uncomfortable. And that's a way that you can quote unquote care for yourself. Soul care on the other hand says, no, 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 no. Don't just unfollow because someone makes you feel uncomfortable. That's a band-aid approach to something that probably needs stitches. Uh, so what you need to do is ask some discerning questions. 
what is it about them that's bothering me? Is it a reflection of something within myself? What's, what's the deeper root? Am I jealous? Am I struggling with comparison? Do I need to figure out a way to find contentment in my own life? Because seeing their life is making me feel something right. It's, it's taking the time to work through and wrestle with that stuff internally. And then I'm not saying that you can never hit the unfollow button. There is a time and a place for it, but it's not impulsive. It's not reactionary. And it's not it. We don't self-care does not involve like temporary quick fix solutions, whereas self-care often does. So that's kind of one, one example I like to use to illustrate the difference. No. And that's a good point. We so often hear like, Oh, mute them or unfollow them. And it's part of like the cancel culture or whatever it might be, but it is a bandaid at the end of the day to what is going on in internally in your soul. And even for me reading the book, like I had to take inventory and be like, well, why do I feel a little annoyed when so-and-so is posting something? And oftentimes it can be very easy to just brush it under the the rug. And it's not that big of a deal. It's social media, but it's like those little compromises that can add up and lead to the uh, me being unaware. And then it spills over into my relationship or my friendships. And so I like that you, you kind of brought up the difference between the two and even the difference between like self self-love and self-awareness, like how they go together too. I think you said in the book, like if you have self-love, but don't have self-awareness, you will most likely be like uh, ignorant or stagnant, or you have blind spots. So I like that you brought that up in the book too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Self-love without self-awareness is delusional. It's destructive. It doesn't actually get you where you want to go. It's a, it's like a compass with a broken needle. And so when we have both, when we can love ourselves and learn to see ourselves the way God sees us, that's beautiful. And when we invite self-awareness into our life, when we invite friends who feel the freedom to say, Hey, Manda, you never stop talking long enough to listen. Oh my goodness. Suddenly I can go from saying, yeah, I love myself. And I really need to work on my listening skills. I want to be the kind of friend who shows up and listens. We need both Uh, one Mm -hmm. without the other, just, it doesn't get us where we want to go. And so if people want to grow, this book is a tool that will invite you to grow and it's going to challenge you in ways that don't always feel good, but, uh, ultimately will be probably what's in the best interest for you in the long run, because instead of putting band-aids on these wounds, I'm going to actually help you find the ointment and help you either go to, you know, go to the doctor and get the stitches and really heal instead of just continuing to, uh, repeat the same things over and over again and not actually find healing and freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from honesty too, like just being seriously honest with yourself and we can label ourselves as honest. I know before reading this book, I considered myself an honest person, but it, it really takes, I think you use this word like radical honesty of, of looking inward. And so what would you say to maybe a girl listening that feels like there's a part of her life that maybe they're hiding from their friends or their partner, or maybe a parent, and they don't know how to even start to get honest with themselves because there's maybe shame or guilt attached to it. Um, and so, so what would you say to that person? Yeah. Yeah. I would just say like, there's a specific chapter in the book called you're already good. And I think that's a great starting point is just to be reminded that 
you're already good. Like God didn't make you the way you are by mistake. And even your flaws and failures, God wants to redeem and restore and heal you and and make things new. And so you don't have to be ashamed. And in fact, the way that you can, the, the reason that shame typically exists is because of secrecy. Secrecy is breeding grounds for shame. It's where shame grows and layer layers on more, more and more thick until you feel buried in it. And what I would just say is that coming out and not having a secret and not living and hiding and being radically honest to say, you know, to a friend or to someone you trust, you know, I am struggling. I'm looking at images I shouldn't look at. And I feel yucky afterwards, or to say to someone, I know that I have a problem whenever I'm having a really bad day. I just, I go to drink, I drink and I drink and I drink till I numb the pain or right. Those are two random examples, but there's a lot that we could say. I think that all of us have things, even if we aren't actively quote unquote, hiding something, I think we all have things in our life that we would rather keep hidden, that we would rather someone not find out about us. And this book is a giant invitation to say, no, actually, the more you try to withhold and hide those things, the the longer you're going to live life without full freedom and without healing. And I want that for you. And so my book is my way of saying here, I'll go first. I'll show you what it's going to be like. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. I can't promise you a happy ending all of the time, but I promise you a life worth living. I love that. I love that so much. And there was a quote that you said in the book too, that said, you can't heal what you can't hide, but whatever you're willing to reveal, God can heal. And even if you, for somebody listening, I think, well, I, they don't have a mentor. They don't have a partner. You know, God is always available. And that chapter, you are already good knowing, like going to what the truth is and shame and guilt that is not from God. He doesn't give us our experiences to put us in feeling stuck in shame. And, and, but also knowing like God can use people and there are people to be of used. And I know you had a mentor and obviously your spouse that, um, were brought up during the book and it can be hard to take it to somebody else. I know because that, that leads us to, oh, they're, maybe we think they're not going to love us because of what we've done, or they're going to think less of us. And so can you share a story of maybe how, if you went through that and if the outcome was different? Yeah. Yeah. What, what I'll say is in the very first chapter of the book, I describe that I had been unfaithful to my husband early on in their marriage. And I was so upset, so ashamed. It was one of those rock bottom moments that I was like, wait, what just happened? How did I get here? This is not who I want to be. And so immediately I stopped, I, I like cut that relationship off and began to discern like, okay, what, how do I deal? I'm not going to lie to you. At first, my mind just like justified, well, now you're not going to do this anymore. And, and you know, it's wrong. And so like, just, just move on. And if Eric, Eric's my husband, if Eric finds out he's only going to be more hurt. So I kind of justified in my mind, like, Mm. well, I'll just like push this away. I'll sweep it under the rug and forget about it. Well, we all know that doesn't work. Um, he didn't end up finding out. I did end up coming forward. And the way that I do that is like you mentioned, I had a mentor at the time, uh, really just an older, wiser friend. So sometimes the word mentor gets like 
people think like, oh, I could never have a mentor. It was an older, wiser friend, a woman who was a decade ahead of me in life who I worked with. Um, and I basically one day came to a point where I felt so guilty and so ashamed. And I felt like she was like an angel on earth. Like that is the best way to describe her. I was like, she's this kind, gracious human. If she receives what I'm about to tell her in a way that makes me like, not, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I was thinking, but I, for some reason, God put her in my path. And I was like, okay, if she receives this and the world doesn't stop spinning and I'm still alive afterwards, then, then maybe this is worth just getting off my chest and being free of it because the guilt was eating me alive. So I tell her, and what I will say is that I felt just enormous freedom and light right away. As the words came off my lips, as I made that confession, I had already confessed this to God, but the Holy spirit had nudged me that that wasn't where it needed to stop that. I actually needed to tell my husband. And even though I wasn't telling my husband in that moment, and I was telling this mentor, she, her response, her reaction gave me so much hope. She was gracious. She was kind. Now she didn't say there wouldn't be consequences. She didn't make promises that she couldn't keep. She didn't say, Oh, he's for sure going to stay with you and you're going to work this all out and everything's going to be fine. Um, which wouldn't have been wise. And I'm really grateful that she basically said very little held a lot of space for me was really gracious, but, um, yeah, through, through that interaction, I felt, just new wind in my sails. I felt hope again. And so I ran home. So I had gone from telling no one the secret that I'd harbored for almost a year to telling a mentor 15 minutes later, when that conversation ends and I've confessed it to her, she gives me the courage to like, now go and tell my husband, I run home to our apartment in Chicago. And I tell him I went from telling no one for months on end to telling two people within 30 minutes. The reason that I'm sharing that right now is it illustrates how hard confession is when you've been harboring a secret, but that once you do it, oh my gosh, there's so much freedom that at that point I was like, oh, I can go home and tell my husband. I mean, I was terrified. I don't want to like downplay it. I was, I was so terrified. I had no idea how he was going to react. I had no idea what the aftermath was going to be. But in the conversation with my mentor, I knew that even if I didn't get a happy ending, that there was going to be a life worth living. Cause when you're living in shame or with a secret, you're not really living cause you're yeah. not free. Yeah. And, and that's, that's so much of where the journey begins. It was through all of that. And through that confession that I went down this journey of what does it look like to care for my soul? Because nothing else matters. People can think I'm great at my job or I can have a bunch of followers on the internet or whatever, but none of that matters if the condition of my soul is not healthy, if my inner and outer life, if the private and public life don't match, if I'm not living with integrity, that's what this is all about. That's so good. And it, it, how you said, it's like so freeing, just telling one person that you trust too. And I think there, we all walk around with a lot of that and we don't talk about it. It's not talked about. And the fact that you were so bold to go first and share this story. And now it's served to almost propel you. God used your past to propel you and help with a calling to help other women. You know, that's something that can empower me to, share something honest that maybe is, is on my soul with my partner or somebody that I trust in the church, you know, was there kind of like a, 
a light bulb moment that where you feel like, how am I able to recognize and accept this truth that I need to tell somebody else? Yeah. I mean, for me, I wouldn't describe it as a light bulb moment. I would just say I got to the point where because of my secret and the guilt that was eating me alive, I came to a place where I just didn't want to live anymore. And so I was really depressed and it felt like there was two voices speaking to me. One was this, like, I I would call it like the enemy, like just telling me Mm -hmm. like, you've made a mess of your life. There's no way out of this. Like you, you probably just shouldn't even be here anymore. And that voice was really loud. And I struggled with suicidal ideation. I struggled with thoughts of harming myself and it was awful at the very same time. I'd get these, this little voice. I think it was the Holy spirit through my intuition, just speaking to me saying, things are not going to be nearly as bad as they are right now. If you just come forward, just trust me, be faithful, take a leap of faith, come out of hiding, say this out loud. And, and gosh, it did. It took me almost a year of warring with these two voices and it caused so much turmoil in my life. I was so insecure because when we don't live with integrity and something like this is going on, we can't be secure. Like integrity is a prerequisite for security. So the whole time that I was in this state, even if I was a good friend and maybe I like took muffins to a friend when she was sick and she's like, you're such a great friend. I couldn't even receive that type of praise and affirmation because the little voice in my mind was like, Oh, if only you knew, Mm -hmm. if only you knew. And what I will say is now being on the other side of all that, having come forward and confessed both to God, then to a mentor, then finally to my husband and navigating that road of healing, which praise God, we're still together to this day. And we've experienced restoration and, um, all that, which is, which is beautiful. And we're years past it now. So it's easier to talk about, but I, I feel free. I have integrity and therefore I feel secure when someone does praise me or compliment me. There's no voice that's telling me like, you're not worthy to receive that because if only they knew the truth about you, if only they knew X, Y, or Z in your past, I feel so free of all that. And that's why confession is so important. And not that that's what this book is entirely about, but I love that we're talking about these first couple of chapters where confession is a big part of it, because I think that oftentimes people are taught, like, you need to read your Bible. You need to go to church. You need to sing worship songs or whatever. But I actually think the number one tool that's brought the most spiritual growth in my life is the practice of confession. That has been the tool that has single-handedly helped me care for my soul and helped me grow closer to God than anything else. So I didn't grow up in the Catholic faith, but I will say what I've learned about Catholics is that confession is a part of their practice. And I think it's so cool. And I wish it would have been introduced to me sooner. And I'm so glad it's a part of my life now. I love that. You know, you brought that up because it is true at the root of that is confession. And, and I like how you also mentioned, okay, once I confess that, that was almost like a starting point where you, there was a journey after that. Yeah. And in the book you share that. I think that's what this is about. Like the soul care after you get that confession out, whatever it might be. And you release to God release, um, your soul free of, and so something at the end of each chapter, there's the soul care questions, which I loved doing myself. And also you shared like just soul care practices throughout the book too. And 
I will say my favorite one before I ask you like Ooh, to I'm share some, some few, but it is spending time in solitude because that is something that I completely struggle with in just even the world that we live in trying to do, 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 go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And I have to run, remind myself that of what, what was a life that Jesus lived he took naps when people were thinking that they were going to die because of a storm and he, everybody else was freaking out or he retracted and prayed when during his ministry. And so the quiet is so loud and that's where really I can hear his voice. And I have to remind myself like boredom is okay. We have to get back to boredom. And so I loved that that was like trickled in throughout the book too. And so just, can you speak to a little bit of the soul care practices, um, that might happen after that confession point? Yeah. Yeah. So the book, each chapter has a soul care practice and then five reflection questions, which I'm so happy to hear you enjoyed them. I think they're great. I think that you can use those reflection questions by yourself or with someone else, um, or maybe both right first by yourself processing journaling, and then maybe with a friend or a spouse or a mentor or whoever, but, um, each soul care practice it it's not something that's tangible enough that you can just be like, okay, I did that today. Check the box. Um, it's not as tangible as that, which makes it hard. Cause they're not like measurable goals, quote unquote. But, um, after identifying any hidden secrets, which is the first practice. And then the second practice is developing a habit of confession. The third one is dig a layer deeper to find the root. So after you've identified something within yourself, then you confess it. Then the next step is that third soul care practice. It's digging a layer deeper to get to the root. So for me, what that looked like was in counseling, retracing my steps of, okay, I, I was unfaithful in my marriage. Well, what led to that? What led to that? And, and it honestly, you, as you work your way backwards for me, it led me all the way to childhood. Now in doing this, it didn't justify my mistake. It didn't say, oh, you didn't have a good present father in your life. So you're allowed to just cheat on your husband. No, 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 no. But what it did do was it helped me understand, oh, so that lack of dad in my life led me to really crave male affirmation. And then whenever I wasn't getting my fix of that, I had a void and I would seek it out. Oh, okay. And like, it was like one thing after another was making sense. And the reason that's so important is what we talked about earlier self-awareness. You can't change what you don't know about yourself. And so in order for me to heal, I had to say, okay, this is true of myself. Okay. So I have a void and that void can lead me to, to have some really destructive behaviors. How, what, what can I do to work towards filling that void in a healthy way? And for me, it's been so much through my relationship with God. Um, another soul care practice that I love is number five, embrace embarrassment for the sake of freedom. Yes. You won't, again, that's not something you can just say, okay, 8am today, I'm going to embrace embarrassment for the sake of freedom. Check. It's like, (laughs) that's not how this works. It's a way of being all of these soul care practices are ongoing ways of living your life. And the reason embrace embarrassment for the sake of freedom is a practice is because I've learned that in order to be free, you cannot fake it. Well, in order to not fake it, you're going to be embarrassed sometimes. Things are going to get awkward sometimes. 
And so, um, by embracing embarrassment, you can experience freedom. And so each of these chapters is filled with stories of my life and people I love where I've just seen this demonstrated. And, um, another one of the practices that I like, obviously there's 15, so I won't give them all away. I feel like I've already named a lot, but (laughs) one more that I really like is number 12, recognize what you leave in your wake. I think that soul care practice alone could change the world if everyone took it seriously. If everyone considered, what am I leaving in my wake? What is it like for people to be on the other side of me? Mm. I think if people took that practice seriously and considered those questions, the world would look a lot different than it does today. Yeah. And with the the wake that um, you just brought up, I think that's also like an overflow of the heart, you know, taking inventory of what you're, what you're listening to, what you're, what conversations you're having. Cause ultimately your words that spill out that you say to other people are going to be an overflow of your heart. And I think that's something that we often compromise with yeah. too. And m- me myself, like I'm not perfect. And, you know, but it's being self-aware at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I love that. And, and so I think every single soul care practice that you put in the book is so relatable. And it's something to like, even to tactically take, okay, I'm going to just, cause it can be overwhelming. Like, you know, okay, I got to do this and tomorrow I'm going to start working on this, but it's not an overnight journey, you know, taking one and focusing on it for the week. Or maybe what I did too, was like circle kind of like my top five and what I identified with, and maybe where I need to do a little bit of journaling or reflecting, or maybe I didn't understand it really. And try to, and maybe that's just something I need to, to work on. So, um, thank you for putting those in the book because they are going to be so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you named it because it's the difference between self-improvement and my invitation to surrender and experience Mm -hmm. growth spiritually, personally, emotionally, mentally, in all the ways. Um, because self-improvement is like, okay, I can do the tangible thing and check the box. This is not that. Um, and so it's a little harder to describe sometimes, but it's this journey of looking inward and, and really working on different areas of your life, knowing that, uh, on the other side is freedom and healing and hope and joy. And so if you want more of that in your life, this book is for you. If you, uh, are someone who wants a future that looks different from your past, this book is for you. This is about actually changing the things that are within your control, which are within you. Mm, Yep. And I completely agree that that's how I felt, you know, reading the book. And I'm so excited for this to get into other people's hands on August 9th. So yesterday when this comes out and for all the listeners, we're giving away a copy of this book. So all you have to do is go over to the girl at the girl who can podcast Instagram and DM me something you learned from the episode, or maybe what you liked about the episode or post it in, take a screenshot and post it in your stories and tag the girl who can podcast and Manda. And we'll just choose a winner randomly by next Wednesday, August 17th. And if you're wondering what's Manda's Instagram handle, (laughs) Manda, where can everybody find you? Yeah. It's just Manda Carpenter. Um, my website is also mandacarpenter.com, but I mainly use Instagram. So yeah, think Amanda, but drop the first day. 
Perfect. That's how I say about my name too. Cause it's Arissa and people are like Marissa, Melissa. I'm like, just Marissa without the M just drop the M. So yes. I get it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, and all of those will also be in the show notes. So you can just scroll down and check those out. Super easy. But this was such an anointing conversation, Manda. And I am really grateful for just your words, your honesty that you put forth and the bravery and boldness through this book, through the pages. And I know that it's impacted me and it's going to impact a lot of other women out there to be radically honest. And yeah, I'm just so excited for you in this book. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your words of encouragement. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. All right, everybody. Bye. Have a great day. 